1: Fast Money starts right now live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square. I'm Scott Wapner. Tonight, our traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Carter Worth, Karen Feinerman, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Netflix making a comeback today after getting crushed over the past month. The chart master says don't trust the bounce. He's going to tell us exactly why. Plus, something happened on J.P. Morgan's earnings call that has Karen Feinerman questioning everything will tell you what it is and just how worried you should be. But first, we start with today's rally, and it was a hard-fought one at that. The Dow rallying 400 points at the open before turning negative, and then it was up and down throughout the afternoon before stocks took off into the close, ending the day higher by just about 300 points. That move capping off what was a wild week for the market. The Dow starting off slow, then we saw that big reversal midday on Tuesday. Though we only ended down 50 points, it started heavy selling into Wednesday and Thursday. Now here we are, higher yet again. But even with today's move, it was still the worst week since March 23rd. Rawhide guy, guy, no,
2: not what rawhide. Size That's it up, I mean, rawhide. Dude, That's bad and the ugly. Josie Wales, looks, welcome, let's, Scott. Let's get him out. Yeah. Great. Let me preface this by saying I still think the market heads lower. However, today when the market went negative after opening up some 400 points, I thought it was going to continue. So if you're bullish... You take a lot away from yeah. the fact that it stayed. a good sign, negative, right? I mean, it fought back. Fought back, closed right at the 200-day moving average. That gives the bulls a lot of ammunition going into the la- next week. I'll say this: there have been countless times over the last couple of years where I thought, "Here it is, the market's about to crater," only for the market to sort of stave off defeat and add victory and build on it. Maybe we're at that point again. But, but I think
0: it's different this time. I think the fundamentals suggest that there's more pain ahead. Okay, so so, so there so there should be reason to be nervous and. and 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 ultimately, although you think the market was constructive today, I think the whole reason that today was positive is also negative. In other words, complacency is what led us here. If you think about positioning, we got a University of Michigan survey out today, backward looking. So it hadn't fed into this data over the last three days from the stock market. But it showed that investors are as confident about the stock market as we were in January, a blow off top. So if you think about the velocity and the speed, the S&P closed in a nine-day RSI yesterday of 9.7. What does that mean? It's the lowest RSI closing on the S&P since 2001. I'm talking about not the financial crisis, so it tells you how overbought we were and how violent this was. Um, I, I think people are still complacent, frankly.
3: That's the risk, right? So being up today, is that bullish? Does that give the bulls hope? In fact, it's the worst thing that could have happened. What we really want is to have another 3 4% down, and then you can maybe have some catharsis, some capitulation. Instead, people are like, hey, I didn't act. Guess what? I feel I'm good smart. about that. What yeah, smart. Smart. We did, we yeah, did have a 400-point yeah. reversal today. We're but at a you're multi-year about, high. Uh, We've dropped 5%. I understand. There but have been it, 300, 5%-plus corrections going back to 1927. That used to happen all the time. This is nothing. We wanted to go down. W-
4: okay, it did go down is what I'm saying. The market opened very strong, which I hate. I hate a big, giant open where it just is just levitating. And then it you know, really gained steam on the downside, and that was a 400-plus point right, reversal. To, to, to me, the most bullish part, not where we opened, it was the rallying off the bottom, and if the market, you yeah. know... But that's complacency.
1: I, the fight it's back. Bullish. Yeah. I, why is that complacency? Yeah. Because maybe, maybe that's a sign that
0: people got a little too negative too fast. Well, what, what I think and, – and look, you can't deny the price action indicates this was violent. But those same people who are complacent are saying, hey, the machines are at it again. I'm not going to do anything this time. I've been fooled before, not again. And I actually think that people look at moves like this now very differently than they did three years ago. And they believe that they're not in any way fundamentally based. I think that the the technicals, the excuse me, the algos, the machines, the people that we love to hate are are, 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 are chasing both headlines, but they're chasing fundamentals that are actually changing in the market. Let's be clear. I mean, if things were that positive out there, whether it's the, the, the multiple uh, the stocks are trading at going into a fourth quarter where we're, uh, we're going to get probably downward guidance, whether we've got trade issues that haven't even hit our macro data yet, whether we've got the Fed that's at war or at least doing what it has to do. So I, I, I just. How much feeling, further do you think we have to go down? I, I'll leave that to I'll leave that to Carter. What, what I think, though, is, is we have to wait until we get some look into what 10% goes to 25% on tariffs, what ultimately happens on midterm elections, and really what we hear from corporate. There's no reason going into third quarter numbers where guidance is, of course, what we all well, know. We've we already gotten to.
1: some commentary from corporate America that should make people a little bit nervous, right? Whether it's PPG or Flor, Fastenal, Pepsi,
2: or, or uh, Pepsi FedEx, Macy's, Micron. Uh, the list is getting longer. Right and my point so there've been three reasons to remain bullish and today the fourth one is the fact that we basically closed at the 200 a day but the Fed could ba- the Fed could back away and sort of take a more dovish stand which I think in the short term would be bullish long term bearish President Trump and President Xi could have some kumbaya situation where there's some accord. I think the market would take that as bullish. And maybe earnings will bail us out and you won't get the guidance that I think we're going to get. Those are the reasons to be bullish. I'm with Tim, though. I think something fundamentally has changed. You're starting to see inflation creep its head. Earnings are going to be, I think, guidance is going to be weak. And I think the market heads down another 7 or 8%. C- let's not forget,
1: right, the CPI, Karen, this week,
2: it was cooler than expected. It's not like every data point
1: is rip-roaring hot on the inflation front. It's just not the case. Now, maybe part of what we saw was because Powell the other day, or last week, or whenever it was recently, said We're, we can go past neutral, and everybody freaked out and said, oh, my God, the Fed's going to raise rates, you know, come hell or high water, regardless of what you're hearing from the Pepsis and the PPGs and the FedExes and everybody else. I,
0: I think that's a good point, Scott, and if anything, weren't we praying for a little bit of heat on CPI and PPI a couple years ago, and there's... Plenty of folks out there that are very much in the deflation camp and think that that's really what this is, that we've never gotten out of a credit bubble, which is ultimately very deflationary, adding in the Internet, adding in some other dynamics. I I, I just think that the rest of the world is telling us something, um, and I don't think we can just fly in the face of that number. They're not rolling over hard. Europe's going to grow 2 percent this year. So this is more about, I think, where expectations still, though, uh, need to be rebalanced somewhat. Well, here. the point that Gunlock made to me yesterday was that
1: the notion that we can just, if you want to use the word, decouple from some of the weakness in Asia, China, and over in Europe, uh, it's nonsense. It's eventually going to catch up to you and come home to roost. And now you're seeing the market here get upset the way that the markets uh, overseas have been as well, Kerry.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If we're in a period where you think bad news is bad news and good news is bad news, then, okay, then the market will trade down. But, you know, I look at things fundamentally, and I think that the bar has been lowered with this correction the last few weeks. The economy, I think, is still really strong. We'll see. I think also sentiment can change very quickly. It changed to the downside. I think it could change the upside. I absolutely think the Fed should stay the course to reverse engineer this enormous experiment, which i have done, I think, quite successfully, and not have any little, you know, bumps on the way out, would be ridiculous to think they could do that. Revisit what you
1: said when, when we said, oh, you know, Tim's going to leave it up to you to say how much further we need to go. You said a <laughs> lot on, of Carter. It being This <laughs> is so what mean, you're doing listen, here, here or, now. Or, thing, or what's it's, the real it's, story? It's about this. Think?
3: When volatility increases like this is not what encourages the sort of mainstream investors just plunge right in. It makes people back away. Also, you now have substantial losses, both in your equity book and in your fixed income book. And that starts to also encourage money not to go after risk assets. And then finally, you get almost a 3% yield out of a two-year note. None of that adds up to stocks off to the races. Downside uh, plenty, perspectively, Upside quite limited.
1: So the beginning of next week will be part of a tell for all of you?
3: As much as the imagination can allow. Meaning, And the thing about sentiment is, as you said, it could change quickly. We only had two, three days of down sentiment. We've had years and years and years of up sentiment. And then there's things about breaks. You break once in February, you rally back, then you break again. That's distributive. That's what tops look like.
1: Uh, Carter also thinks moves uh, this week will look more like a bull trap than a breakout, mm, if you haven't figured that wow. out already. Why don't you go over to the Telestrator and uh, break I'd it
0: all like down for out. us. I have no he, idea. Idea.
1: he is
3: the chart master. So it's when there's a lot of bullishness and it's misplaced. Um, it looks optically like this. Here we have, of course, the market going into what was a record RSI reading, never recorded in the MSCI All-Country World Index, and equally so for the S&P 500 on a weekly basis. And then, of course, this epic plunge of two weeks, Friday, the 26th of January, to Friday, February 9th. And then we rally all the way back, and this is the bull trap. Let's take a look. Move the lines forward. Consensus is you're going to break out, and that's exactly what happens. It breaks out. So is it a bull trap or a breakout? The the problem with this kind of thing is, from chartists like myself to just the money flow to the algorithms, seeing that move, it draws people in. It forces shorts to cover. And then, of course, we know it turns out to be a horrendous time to have bought so that Once you take a hit like this, you leave all this money trapped above people who bought in the past three to five months who now are underwater and would love in principle to get their money back. We're basically, um, we've basically closed the doors to something of a murder that just took place. It's not good. Um, Here's another way to look at it. This is the S&P Equal Weight and this is the key. And, And Guy, you and I have talked about this. The S&P equal weight was a perfect double top. It was only the S&P itself with the Amazon and Apple that made it go higher. We never broke out. That's the ultimate trap. And then, of course, we've broken down below this line. Uh, none of this is a particularly good setup. Um, here it is. Here's the chart of the S&P. Where could we go? Well, you can, um, you can go anywhere the imagination will allow. Do we hold this support? No. Put in another line. Where can we go? Frankly, we've been in this range. We got a little bit above. I think there's every possibility that we come back to the lows of February. And that would simply be it sounds like a lot 14% decline. That is garden variety, run of the mill, dip, sell off, correction, pullback, decline, whatever you want to call it. it. Used to happen all the time in markets. Now it's verboten, not allowed, but it'll be allowed soon. Enough. All right.
1: All right, come on back over this way. Yes. Let's kick sure. I mean, he's, oh, he's, he's definitely with, invited back. I mean, it's, it's not a even a fodder. question. You're going to tell us we're going to go down 14% more. You're definitely invited <laughs> no, back. 14%. We may kick you off the desk. So another
3: 7% back. So another 7% would be perfectly normal. That would just go back to where we were in February. And is that a bad thing? I mean, why is that so bad?
1: No, people say these I are uh, healthy corrections. No one's suggesting that it is. I'm just curious as to whether it's quote-unquote justified or if the
2: market and investors overreacted this week. I think it's hundred ju- percent. Why wouldn't it? Well, what's not justified about it? I mean, I think it's justified. If you look at the pre-announcement, I don't know. It's, it's justified. Like Airlines have been rolling over things, for months. Right. Autos, okay, have been autos home builders, housing has adapters. been rolling over for months. Semis, but so why isn't the broader market uh, c- can't roll over on the back of those things? Karen, you want to answer that?
4: Well, Delta doesn't sound as negative as you guys. That's why I. That's why I'm I ask really her to respond. Not as negative, and could anything could happen? Of course, could it trade down another seven percent? absolutely but i think that the pullback that we've had has created a lot of opportunities and and i will i will guarantee i will not pick the bottom for sure but there are some things that are Good to
0: own here. Well, it, it, so Carter's given this 14% level. Just remember that the rest of the world has actually sold off more than that already. That's right. um, so you're in a place where the dynamic here is at least looking around the world. And again, you know, China had some better numbers last night. Guess what? It's probably front running on exports to get ahead of this 25% that's coming year end. So um, I, I think Guy is bringing up a point that look, if you can find plenty of reasons to to if the tone of the market was very bearish for the last nine months, you could be very bearish right now. And I think Scott, you're right to say, hey, well, hold on a second. You know, people might have just Overreact. We've seen this happen four or five times. I think it will ultimately come back to valuations, and I think the Fed has made it very clear what they're doing, despite what may be swirling around them in terms of pressure. They have to keep getting to neutral rate. They're not even there yet. And, and the bottom line is you get multiple contraction when the Fed's in play, and we've priced in a lot. Of, I think we got the sugar high from the tax cut. I think on a price-to-sales basis, it's very expensive right now. All right. Coming up, semis, as we just said, getting smoked. The group is on
1: track for its worst month since 2012. One trader thinks it could be about to get a lot worse as well. He's going to explain why. Plus, J.P. Morgan failing to rally today despite a strong earnings report. So what went wrong? Karen Feinerman will tell us her fast take. We are live from Times Square on this Friday night in New York City, and there is much more Fast Money right after this.
5: What's on the horizon for financial markets?
1: Welcome back to Fast Money, a mixed bag for the big banks. J.P. Morgan down 2% while Wells Fargo and Citi were slightly higher and investors clinging to every word. Now, the CEOs had to say on their conference call. So it's time for a new segment called Word on the Street, where the traders tell... You, the most important thing they heard from the CEO that you might have missed. Oh, Is it did a game that? show? Did you see that? It's I mean, yeah. no, it's flat, slow waiting, scroll. Yeah. Very slow high scroll. Bob barker Do my thing. Yeah. Or, uh, Joker, Joker. And the triple. triple. It was a wink, Martindale. I didn't think it was long, <laughs> Mike. All right, so you wanted to point out what uh, Jamie Dimon said uh, about higher rates in the economy. Uh, let's take a listen first.
3: I was also point out that I'm um, just about probabilities that
0: rates can go higher. People should be prepared for that. They should not be surprised about it. Uh, so I'm always surprised when people are surprised, and and the why is more important. Are you still growing? The economy is strong, rates are going up. Most of us consider it a healthy normalization and going back to a more of a free market when it comes to asset pricing and and uh, interest rates, et cetera. And we need that. So uh, to me, overall, it's a good thing.
1: All right, care. Yeah. Your big takeaway was what?
4: Well, so a couple of things. I mean, there was nothing to hate in this earnings call. The bar was low. I thought they jumped over the bar perfectly well enough, and yet the stock traded down, which is disappointing. But the thing that was actually interesting to me was that Jamie Dimon really stepped back a lot on the call. Normally, he's very, very involved in the calls. You know, he knows the businesses so well he can't help but jump in and make comments when, when people ask questions. He did, by the way, do a separate media call that we could not hear. But on this call, really was Marianne Lake. She was really running the show. This is interesting to me because this is setting up for the succession plan. I believe oh, you think she he's will be starting to set the table. I, she, well, she's been a great CEO for a to long run? time. What and, 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 time time to, for, and time to run? That's a separate call. But I think she did a fantastic job as she always does. I think that's what's happening here. He is setting up Marianne Lake to become his successor. I think that. She's incredibly qualified, but I also think, this is just my own opinion, that he would like to have a woman in that role. So to me, that was a very interesting takeaway from this call, that he is stepping back more and more from these calls, and she's really handling them, and she does this superb it's, it's, job.
1: That's a good point. I mean, look, also what he did say on the call is he talked about uncertainties from economic and geopolitical. I mean, he is thinking about the impact of uh, tariffs in this trade situation that we are
0: in. I I think Jamie Dimon has as much credibility in terms of painting a proper, balanced picture of what's going on, and and certainly also said that the economy is in very good shape. That's why rates are going higher, so let's be clear. the trade in the banks to me is it usually takes about a week in, the, in a normalized environment that we've had for the last five quarters. Banks have actually rallied substantially about a week after as we've gotten into the quarterly earnings report. They lead off. There's some skepticism. Banks have had record profits, including J.P. Morgan. They're giving capital back. The balance sheets look great. Even if we're in a credit storm, have they ever been better prepared and we're not in a credit storm.
1: Yeah. And when and it's interest superb. and when the 10 year. Guy is at, I don't even know what it finished today, 316, 17, something like that. Uh, It's been going down since it hit 326 or whatever the top was. That doesn't help. Right. It makes it harder to
2: make the case to own these Look, bank stocks, doesn't but it? The XLF topped out in the fall of 2017. The market until the last week or so is only going straight up. And the banks can't get out of their own way. I mean, we could talk about the environment, you know, st- steepening yield curve, narrowing yield curve. doesn't seem to really matter. The stocks don't want to go higher. So at what point do they start to go higher? This is not, I mean, I don't want to make the same comparison, but what is pretty much the same thing? They've been a lot worse, but they've been in the best environment ever. They can't go higher either. So at what point do the banks start to go up? I've been a Goldman Sachs bull, but I got to tell you something. Stock trades awful. Morgan Stanley made a 52-week low this week as well. J.P. Morgan, best in breed, is, at what point, though, in valuation terms, is that expensive? Do you own J.P. Morgan? Me, no. Would you, you wouldn't own J.P. Morgan? I think at J.P. Morgan, well, Morgan best in breed, trades, why do you like gold? Because better? I think J.P. Morgan right now trades, what, about 1.7 times price to book, not tangible book, it's the price most, to book. It's expensive.
3: But not on a PE basis. to be. Not, and on, not a, on, on a PE basis. forward, but that's the truth. We had great data today. Where were the buyers?
0: They should trade there.
3: Where were the buyers today? That's the bottom line. They were trading for eight, eight hours. Oh, I mean,
1: what did you want? Like eight. But where, we've but we've where seen the buyers that. been? Where the buyers been? Every time these guys
0: report, that's the problem. Well, I, I, to me, it comes down to as an investor, especially if I've got a longer-term horizon, I feel very comfortable with that that valuation. I feel very comfortable with that balance sheet. I feel very comfortable with that management team. And and frankly, you know, I don't need it. I'd, I'd love to see it have been up twenty percent in the last year, but I'm not looking to sell a stock because it's. It's underperforming a market that's been moving a lot, a lot higher. Anything else you're comfortable with while we're at it? <laughs> you know, this shirt's comfortable. It's it's kind of, I was going kind of to ask relaxed. if you were comfortable I mean, with the I, shirt. I, I, yeah, thank you All for right. asking. Okay, I feel you're good welcome. about it. I feel All comfortable right. with myself. <laughs> 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 All right. For more on what Jamie Dimon said, head over to
5: cnbc.com. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.
2: we're looking at a very strong economy, strong fundamentals, and we're adjusting the policy stance. We've been doing that gradually, increasing rates. We've been moving up. We're targeting two to two and a quarter percent right now. I kind of think neutral is in the two and three quarters to three percent. So after many, many years of accommodative policy, which I have supported strongly because inflation is now up at two percent, it's time to readjust the policy stance at least to neutral. Let's see how the economy is performing at that point, and then we might have to do a little bit more after that.
1: Well, that was Chicago Fed President Charles Evans on Squawk Box this morning, defending the Fed's rate hike path. And earlier on the halftime report, I spoke with Larry Kudlow, the director of the National Economic Council. Here's what he had to say about the economy and the markets.
0: We are in a hot economic boom. There's no end in sight, in my judgment. Uh, The U.S. economy and the entrepreneurs and the blue-collar workers are killing it. And therefore, I think the stock market uh, will get back on track. It's not my way to forecast. But yeah, corrections come and go.
1: So is it time for the Fed to keep trucking along or do the wild swings in the market say otherwise? Tim, no end in sight is what Mr. Kudlow told me earlier today.
0: Okay, there's just three. There's a couple things I want to, I think, stay clearly. First of all, in terms of the confidence numbers we got out today, the country's never been more confident in the policies of the government than they have in the last 15 years than they are right now. So let's be clear. It's actually a pretty good time for that. Um, Two, I actually think that the Fed does need to get to at least neutral and then they need to figure out what's going on. But the the bottom line here is I I don't think that the Fed is going to listen to the markets. I don't think anyone who thinks that the Fed, after a 7% straight down, we talked about how severe, the Fed is not going to make a comment. And I think that's very important to know that the Fed put is over. Got to be believed, though. I mean, the Fed's going to watch the market. It may not be dictated by the market. And they care about yeah. asset prices and they care about the wealth effect. I agree with all that, but I, I do not think that they're going to be there, and I don't want them totally to be agree. there. Totally agree.
4: How can they uh, – they can't, they can't be, you know, a slave to the, to the ups and downs of the market. You can't run, you can't run a central bank that way. I think, I think they should stay the course, absolutely.
1: And don't forget, I mean, we haven't even mentioned, this is a week in which the president said the Fed yeah. was
2: going
4: crazy <laughs> okay, yeah.
2: uh, and should stop
4: raising yeah. rates. The
1: <laughs> same Federal Reserve
2: that was not crazy, but they were inflating a bubble during the Obama administration because they were too easy, is now crazy Fed because in the greatest economy in the history of our country, they're trying to get rates to normalize. So you tell me one of them's wrong, mm-hmm. I, I, or, or both of them are wrong. I don't know which one, but I'll say this. The Fed, I'm with Tim. Fed shouldn't look at them. It's not the Fed's job to make the market go higher. And if the market can't handle the Fed getting the normal interest rates when the market's been up for 10 years in the greatest economy in our history, not my words, the President's, then we have a problem. So and there's it's no not end like in Fed, sight. The, it's the...
4: not like the Fed has not been telegraphing this plan for a really long time.
2: Last point.
3: There's no end in sight.
4: Just what <laughs> with.
1: According to Mr. Kudlow.
0: All right, let's go around the whore and do final trades. Uh, Timmy, you're up. Well, first. again, despite we also got to a 5% mortgage rate this week, I don't think that Home Depot suffers. In fact, I think the consumer's making a lot of money. Home Depot, CVW.
3: Disney down half of what the market was down this week. Defensive, long trade.
0: Okay,
1: Karen
2: Feinerman.
4: Yeah, I'm sticking with JP Morgan. I I like that as earnings. Of course you are. Of course I am. Nice. Sticking with him. Right
2: here. Guy Adami. It's great to have you here. I know you're doing away in a few minutes.
1: Yeah, Big options this action, but the appetizer. Okay? <laughs> it's the appetizer. Wow. Main, main course, course coming up. Moments away.
2: Speaking of main course, Pfizer drug, I'm telling you, Pfizer drug gets All right, you good done. Good stuff.
1: Thank you, guys. Thank Thanks you. God. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you. you as well. Does it for us on Fast Money. Back here Monday. Don't move. Options action starts after the break.
5: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.